Sonic State Hello everybody and welcome to Sonic Talk number 214. Of course we missed last week. This week we are live uh, with our post-music messer chit-chat. And uh, and I'm very pleased I am too to have a, well I guess we got a, a quadruplet of, uh, of of participants, um, plus me. Um, we'll start off, um, because we have Rich Hilton down here in my corner. Uh, Rich is in fact live from Tokyo. That sounds like a deep purple tune, doesn't it? There's no woman involved in this case. Of course, of course, of course there isn't. We know that. We know that. Um, just to make everything very clear, we don't want any <laughs> lack of clarity on that department. Sounding a bit chesty there, Rich. Are you, uh, are you suffering from the post-flight illness? Uh, actually, I'm recuperating from the pre-flight illness. Ah, that's rough. They let, you yeah, on, right. they let you on the flight, though, because sometimes they won't do if you're not looking too chipper. But, uh, well, I was looking plenty chipper to those people, let me assure you, because <laughs> I was awfully determined to get here. Yeah. So how's it been? You're in Tokyo. You've been playing in the Blue Note, right? Uh, actually, we did two shows in the Cotton Club uh, last night, and today we had off, and I just got back from a lovely sushi dinner with some friends that worked oh, out incredibly sweet. well. Great. <laughs> And uh, we, uh, we start tomorrow with the Blue Note, five nights, two shows a night. Wow. And uh, thrilled to be here. Well, thrilled I'm re really glad. Here. I always get very excited when you join us from your sort of uh, your, your, your random places around the world. I know it's a, it's a habit of yours, and we really do appreciate you making the effort, because I'm sure you probably are uh, ready for bed, frankly. So <laughs> no, actually, I slept. All, I slept all day. I'm actually wide awake. Ah, okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, right, uh, Rich, of course, uh, is playing live in uh, Japan at the moment with Sheik, um, Mr. Nile Rogers, and the rest of the band, and uh, that's why he's over there and he's got a big smile on his face. Right, uh, I'll go down here to this bottom corner here, where I'm looking at Mark Tinley. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? Hello. Like I'm all right. Like being dot com. Um, sound artists. Uh, creative thinker and the like. How are you? I'm I'm all right. Good. I haven't had a haircut. I have dyed it black though because ah. I had to go and I didn't have to. I went to name uh, a little girl called Tabitha on Sunday, and I thought they might not want the uh, celebrant to be standing there with red spiky hair, so I toned it down a bit for them. How, um, how very considerate. Very lovely, I really enjoyed doing it. Excellent. And then when you got there, everybody else had red hair, right? Um, no. <laughs> there were some people with earrings and things, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, uh, Mark, thank you very much for joining us too. I'm going to go up here to uh, Dave Spears, who's sitting in front of the what looks like a mini Moog and his uh, Rhodes educational um, system. How are you, Dave? I'm all right, and you? Yeah. It's a whirly. It's a whirly. Oh, God, I get it wrong every <laughs> bloody week. It's a whirly, of course it's a whirly. I should know by the sound and the fact that you've told me several times. G4 Software, of course, Dave Spears is uh, one of the founder members and uh, continuing ongoing development. I'm sure there are lots of great things to come from you sometime soon. G4Software.com. Thanks for joining us, mate. Thank you. And we'll go over here. I like this because I get to make sort of disco moves. <laughs> There's Gaz Williams <laughs> right there in the top right corner. Coming live and direct from Bristol, Gaz is our resident producer, um, Welsh producer, based in Bristol. How are you doing, Gaz? Yeah, very good. Just uh, seeing in uh, the April rain has finally started uh, after some glorious weather we've been having here in the UK for the last, uh, gosh, it, seems it like... Has, it has been good, months. hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, all good, ready to go. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, some, of you, some of you at least have been able to catch some of the stuff that's been coming out of Music Messer, because obviously last week we didn't have a show because I was trundling around looking. I was probably around this time last week was, I could look at my schedule, but I, frankly, oh, here we go, Wednesday, I can tell you. Last week, about this time, I was visiting Personas and um, looking at their new 1602 smaller format live console, or, well, studio console, studio live console thing. So, uh, obviously, I couldn't do the show, but uh, I'm very glad to be back here, and obviously there's lots to talk about. There's an enormous number of things that seem to be released, but not very heavy on the software front. I think we nailed it down to, it was Steinberg, uh, Cubase, uh, Steinberg, Avid, and... 
Spectrasonics were the only software people that we were aware of at the show. Wow. Which is kind of, yeah, kind of pretty surprising, eh? It's funny. I spoke to uh, Lee from Computer Music, and he said they weren't out there. I didn't see any. I saw the Music Radar guys briefly. Um, obviously, I bumped into hands from uh, Muso Talk, um, our, our friend Non-Eric, who I would like Yay. to say a big thank you for, because he let us. He had a little room hidden away in the bowels of uh, Hall 4, which we were allowed to have a, have a corner of a table on to... Uh, to get our footage up online, which is why we were able to get stuff up so fast, because we had a really good internet connection in their room, so we were able to get um, some of this stuff up really fast. So, you know, but there were a number of releases at the show, which is not always the case. Sometimes it always feels a bit like Mess's poor relative, uh, Nam's poor relative, but there was actually a number of things. Oh, I should say hello to everybody in the chat room. Um, and if you're wondering what I'm talking about, sonicstate.com forward slash live, 4pm UK time. Um, prior to the show, I've just been streaming various highlights and clips from the show. I think the last one we were looking at was the RME uh, up software update that allows you to plug a USB drive into the front of your Fireface UFX and record up to 60 channels of audio directly to the USB drive just by pressing a record button. Pretty bloody smart idea. A bit like the Joko... Nice black box recorder except it's actually got the audio interface built in as well so um that's a smart piece of software updating i must say that looked pretty cool i mean that's got to be useful for some live stuff hey it's got to be really yeah 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 because i mean i don't know how much how much a ufx is i i I am i am flying completely free because i didn't prepare and make a note of all of this it is a pricey unit. It's around 1,500 UK pounds. So as audio interfaces go, it's right at the top uh, top of the list there, I think. That is getting up there. It's not quite up in the uh, Apogee territory, but it's not far off, is it? Yeah. Um, but pretty cool yeah, stuff. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. You're an RME fan, aren't you, Dave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Anders uses their stuff live, so actually I'd recommend it a Joko system, so maybe this is a alternative. Rich. Mm. It's a bunch of flowers right there. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Are they orchids? <laughs> I'm not going to ask. Right. Um, so, any, I mean, there were a couple of uh, rather uh, magnificent synthesizer moments, or perhaps not, depending on your, your point of view. Uh, now, um, I'm going to talk to Gaz. I know that you're itching to go. What, what, uh, I mean, obviously, the big, big release was the Roland Jupiter 80, right? Because that got so much pre, preamble and, you know, we, we were able to film something a couple of weeks ago with Howard Jones, so we went live with our footage from that yeah. sort of bang on the first morning and we got a whole lot of stuff up there and we, we got to see it and have a chat with uh, um, Scott, uh, who showed us, uh, gave us a, 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 a demo, which was kind of on the hoof. So I think, I, I, don't, I, I know that there was a lot of... Uh, so I'd st- I think it's fair to say it was a controversial release. That's probably yeah. what I would say. I mean, controversial purely by ne- just the name of it, do you think? I mean, yeah, if it I, didn't I have th- the Jupiter name... I think so. You know, yeah, it's going to come under a lot of flack. In fact, I was in a music shop in Bristol that shall remain anonymous, and uh, the guy who runs the shop said that he'd ordered Jupiter straight away when he heard about it. And now he's going to cancel his order. He's oh, really? absolutely gutted. Mm. And he, he just doesn't think it's—he doesn't think it's a saleable thing. So it's going uh, to be a hard. I, I mean, thought, it is a hard sale. It's an expensive flagship thing. I mean, what I, I want to say that you know, Peter Kern did a great um, sort of roundup on uh, Create Digital Music, and he pointed out the fact that you know, this is what this is for is for performers who want to be able to access a whole ton of stuff all in one go without having the computer involved or what have you. and for that it, it certainly has the flagship i think perhaps mm. on reflection calling it a jupiter and giving it jupiter colors and then spending the whole time saying it's not really a jupiter like the jupiter 8 mm-hmm. was perhaps from a marketing point of view a little bit suicidal but i'm not sure mm. I, you know i think japan had a very strong from what i understand they had a very strong idea of how they wanted to do it and everybody obviously you know goes with what they've said. So, uh, but, I mean, it's, it is an incredible sounding synthesizer. Uh, an analogue monster it is not, though. That is true. Uh, Rich, you're, in, you're, you're at the, at the home of the mother load for the Jupiter. Uh, has there been any word of it out there? Has news spread, <laughs> even where you are now? Uh, no. No. Not a peep. Not a peep. That's interesting that they chose Europe for the first release of it. I'm guessing it wasn't ready for NAM. We did get to see it at NAM in a closed room, 
where we saw it was the same level you know it was basically the same unit and we got to have a look and and listen and it did sound pretty amazing um i yes i'm not sure i i, I think it's going to be a hard sell uh, dave it's not a jupiter 8 sort of follow-on it's i think perhaps calling it a jupiter was a bit um misleading or you know misrepresentation i'm not sure what do you think uh, it was certainly controversial in, yeah. in name-wise. I, I mean, it did sound really good, though. Yeah. And actually, that video that you did of, was it a German demo guy? Or looked like you were in a room somewhere. Yeah, I got a demo with uh, Scott, the, the main US demo guy. I forget his surname. I mean, there were certain things about it that I absolutely loved. I mean, when he was doing that trumpet thing and did the pitch bend, you know, you kind of got that those, those sort of realistic um, notes out of that i thought that was cool i mean it did sound pretty pretty nice yeah but uh yeah as you can imagine analog haven and all those places were alight with uh pretty uh <laughs> damning comments about it just being called a jupiter basically yeah i think that was perhaps a mistake on reflection but i mean the one thing that somebody also said in the comments of certainly uh i forget which one which video it was was well that's fair enough but i mean contact with a bit of scripting will do all of that i mean it's not actually that groundbreaking to have this beh these behaviors available to you or maybe i'm wrong i guess maybe i'm wrong in, in terms of hardware maybe it is i know mark you've been exposed to a jupiter 8 i mean and, and you were very nearly let the cat slip out of the bag in the podcast last week because you yeah, know about sorry. <laughs> it's all right i i think i think there was already enough information out there not to make us uh, the, the the point of hatred for uh, for any uh, roland marketing people I mean, you. What's what's been the response you've had? You know, talking to Nick and you know that side of things, because presumably he's had access to one for a bit. I mean, my uh, having watched the videos that you put out, my opinion of it is that it looks really nice. Uh, they took the guy sort of started off saying that they put the best of their technology in there, but then uh, and the best available sounds from the highest technology they had available. He said, didn't he? So yeah. Um, I, I wasn't. I was sort of thought the violin sounded okay, and but a bit kind of motionless and not really very. I mean, I've heard better violins on in sample libraries, so right. I wasn't particularly impressed by that. I thought the trumpet sounded pretty good, and then I thought, oh well, okay, so it can do acoustic instruments. And then he did this acoustic guitar, which was just unbelievably crap. <laughs> And I was thinking, like, okay, well, maybe it's because I play the guitar that I can hear that the guitar's just not really like a guitar at all. It's just sort of, I mean, once he's later in the video, once he started sort of mixing stuff in and playing multiple instruments, it sounded a little bit more convincing. And uh, but it all seemed a bit sort of King's New Clothes to me. There wasn't, re it didn't do anything, did it? That, uh, that anything else can't do it. Well, uh, well, uh, well, one thing it does do, it gives you an enormous number of layers and splits. So you can do a heck of a... So you can layer, I think it's... There are three tones per patch, th uh, four patches per performance, and then two performances. So you can get like ten layers deep on this thing. And you know, if you and, and the polyphony yeah, you is could do that in an S thousand sampler twenty years ago. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe so. Not with not perhaps with the the expression and effect, okay, the well, level I, of effects. I think that's a little bit unfair. But yes, I tell you, Paul. I mean, the, right, the other I'm thing is unfair. the other thing is. I mean, I thought, yeah, sorry. I was going to say I thought the arpeggio sounded like it could do something new, and I liked the idea that everything was immediately accessible. I thought that that was actually quite good. So. I'm, it did have some really nice pianos in it, which we didn't get to hear properly. I mean, I heard a little bit from Howard, but when we were at NAMM in the kind of demo room, they played three or four really, really quite nice uh, pianos that are in the wave ROM, which, you know, I guess doesn't really make it a synthesizer, but it adds, that's as a building block and something as part of something of, that a keyboard of that stature should do, it appears to do that quite well. Any, Sorry. Did it do any vSync stuff? Because I think that they're sort of flagged ship technology really lies in what the v-synth can do because when he said in the in the video you put online he kind of went oh we can go into like the core elements of this sound and then he started moving the filter i was like no really just get in that sample and granulate it or something well and i was a bit sort of totally unimpressed well i don't know i mean to be honest you know i don't know whether that's the case i mean I, I think the limited time that we've had with it or i've had with it i can't answer that and uh, howard oh. is more of a synthesis kind of guy from a uh, subtractive 
approach. So, I mean, I think he what he what fired him up was the sort of layering and all the kind of building of sounds that he he could make. And that was, you know, I don't know that he's necessarily a V synth guy. I don't know. Rich, is this something that you think would work for you? Have you seen? Uh, did you see, get to see any of the stuff that we had over here, or have you been in transit? I suppose you probably missed missed the whole the whole debacle. That's not, not true at all. I I watched quite a bit of what you've posted up to about two days ago, and uh, the best demo of this instrument I saw was the Howard Jones thing you did before you left. Right. And um, yeah, there are things about this instrument that seem impressive to me. Yeah, I understand why some people think it might be a violation of of proper integrity and principle to call it a Jupiter anything. And um, I wonder, does it have weighted keys? We're talking about piano sounds now. Does it have 88 weighted keys on it? Not that particular model, but I believe there will be one, which is going to make it uh, pretty damn heavy. <laughs> right. Right, because it was already pretty heavy, wasn't it? Yeah, it, well, I can't remember what the weight of it is, but it's—I think weight is—is uh, is not one of the considerations that it's been uh, blessed with. Well, I'll say this: based on the demos that Jones played, it sounded really good. And if I divorce myself from the notion that they shouldn't have called it a Jupiter, it might prove to be a really instru- interesting instrument. Yeah. I think that's a, a pretty fair assessment, to be honest. I think that perhaps was the mistake, calling it the Jupiter. Because it feels like almost they've been, you know, they're, they're almost, um, people aren't prepared to forgive them. And they seem to have done something that seems to have been <laughs> made to be like a violation. I've, I've heard people talk in ex- very extreme language about what they've kind of done in terms of uh, sort of resurrecting and exhum- exhumation and, and all that sort of thing, which feels a little bit strong. But obviously people feel strongly about it. But, I mean, it doesn't... I must admit, I'm not one of those. I think perhaps that... Uh, uh, yeah. I'm know. not one of those either, but I have had some really extreme conversations with people about it. <laughs> it's kind of bizarre. Yeah, I've, I've heard too. I've heard it too. And in this kind of climate, it's like especially diff- difficult to market expensive keyboard products in a world where you can buy soft sense for 500 bucks. So um, I don't begrudge them their right to try. And I might disagree with the choice they made, but I don't see it as any kind of like serious blasphemy or anything. None of us are going to confuse this thing with a real Jupiter 8. No, I, I guess not. But I, I suppose the thing is, is they sort of went for the colors and the livery, which kind of makes it... All right. Which, which, it's an it's a confusing message, I suppose. But, but yeah, but the message is so we're trying to sell synthesizers. Yeah, well, I suppose so. That's true. I think that's what people are. Conf- so you think it's a little bit like the new VW Beetle or the new Mini or the new Fiat San Casento? I mean, it's just kind of smacks of that. They've taken the Jupiter design and kind of polished it up and made it a bit more modern. That's all. Yeah. Okay. I think that's that's a fair assessment. Kind of. I mean. The new Beetle is nothing like the old one, is it? I mean, it's a, like a modern car to drive. I'm Same sure. The, yeah. I don't know. So, I've never um, driven one. I've seen them. They look they look like little electric cars. But anyway, we should probably not dwell entirely on the uh, Jupiter, <laughs> Jupiter 80 because uh, there is so much of there's so much out there on that. So what else? What else is there for, that uh, that has thrilled anybody? Obviously, one of the really big uh, Gaz, You look like you're about to, to go there. What, what what was the kind of, so far? What's been the real thing that you've just gone? I must, I must have this. Uh, well, I thought seeing uh, the Solaris, you know, being a reality, and uh, you know, um, just looking wonderful and everything like what you'd want an update of the Jupiter to be. You know, um, well, that's true. Uh, you know, and it just uh, and that looks that just looks to take the best of both worlds. I really think in terms of the layout in it with all, it just looks wonderful. I haven't actually seen one uh, for real, but it sounded great. And uh, yeah, so how, what did you think of that then? It sounded, that? it sounded absolutely lovely. I mean, I, I'm perhaps not. Um, not not as uh, it's not as obvious what sort of the perhaps some of the minor cosmetic changes have been, but the sound of it. Every time I hear it and John plays something, it just sounds absolutely gorgeous. And that is something that always kind of strikes me whenever I've seen it. And there were three of them there. Uh, I believe John said that there were going to be 100 in production, or there are 100 in production, 65 of which are already you know, spoken for because of pre-orders. And there's a few that are going to retailers in Germany. And then that leaves a certain number which are going to be out to sound designers and, and, uh, and, and 
and reviewers and that kind of thing. But it did sound gorgeous, and the patches are starting to come on stream. I know Howard's done a few. There are a few there, and there are more coming online. That, that you know, there are units going out there to be filled up. He's hoping to fill it up with, uh, I think he said a couple hundred patches from sort of top-notch designers because it does require, you know, I mean, there are a lot of parameters there, definitely, and, it, mm. and what it can do should should be. Um, done justice by the sound designers so you can hear it. I mean, even though most people who buy it are probably going to be doing their own kind of thing. The layout, though, looks really good. It looks like something that you really want to explore. I mean, the Jupiter 80, it, it, it's what had, like, four sliders on it, and the rest is done through the touch screen. So not a great deal different from using uh, a soft synth, really. But, uh, but that big, beautiful layout on the on the Solaris just just looks so inviting and, you know, and it, and an exciting sort of thing to spend time with. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm, of course, we mustn't forget that uh, there was the Schmidt analog polysynth because that <laughs> has been the, probably the biggest story that we've had for quite some time on uh, from a video point of view. I, I've filmed, managed to film something with Mr. Schmidt, and this is this uh, monstrous eight-voice analog polysynth with, uh, let me see if I get it right, four oscillators, seven filters... A massive number of LFOs and a whole bunch of other stuff behind it. It's been built and designed and built entirely by this guy. Uh, I don't know what his first name is, um, but he was originally responsible for the uh, MAM TB the 303 clone, which is kind of 13, 12, 13 years ago. And this is what's come. He's been working on this for I think eight years. He said. And that was a big shocker because you just don't see that kind of thing. You know, that was a monster. Dave, that must have been something that made you smile when you saw that because I, I, I filmed it and I thought, I'll put it up online and see what happens. And honestly, by the time, by the time we got to the next morning after I put it up, it had like 6,000 views. It just was crazy everywhere. Everybody was just loving it because he's also sort of madly eccentric and just doesn't care and just built it himself for the way he wants it to be. And that's what's so kind of endearing about it. It's sounding awesome. Yeah, yeah. I did, uh, there was no voice detune on it, was there? I have Which no is, idea. <laughs> I didn't get a I chance. Think, to... I think you said that was to come, and I was kind of thinking, yeah, just detune four oscillators. Come on, let me hear that sound. And then he kind of went, oh, that's kind of on its way. But, yeah, no, certainly for me, I mean, that was a kind of a jaw-dropping moment. And talk about... Um, coverage from people i mean people were just going loopy over that they were yeah although i have to say i mean what was the, it's an obscene amount of money isn't well, it well he wouldn't tell me how much i've i've heard totally different conflicting reports 20 grand seemed to be what was 20,000 euros seemed to be the one that people latched onto because i think that and they think they liked the fact that it was expensive but actually i heard somebody told me 10 so yeah you know, who knows i whatever it is it's going to be a load of money because it's pure analog it's got 157 knobs i mean the thing i really liked about it was you can change the yeah, color of the leds yes, but he put yes. that by the performance <laughs> control section so you could as well as tweaking the mod wheel you could change the leds which would have absolutely no bearing <laughs> on the sound whatsoever but he put it there so you could get hold of it i don't know i just thought it was you know ridiculously excessive and i liked the fact for it i like the fact that right. it was oh well, rich did you see the schmidt oh yeah <laughs> Wasn't it I thought beautifully excessive. One has to be impressed with the intellectual vacuum in which this thing was created <laughs> and the absolute cluelessness of its creator with respect to what he was doing there, what it's for, who it's for, whether or not it's for sale, whether it will ever be for sale, and what it might cost. <laughs> he knew none of this. It was which is what we love about it. This person I've ever seen on the sales floor in my entire life. <laughs> I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. it was as though it was a cartoon that somebody had invented. <laughs> yeah. The degree of cluelessness that this guy brought to his presentation was stunning. I'm, I'm, but that said, and that said, given the sounds he had programmed, I have no idea whether those oscillators sound any good. <laughs> they did, other than they, that, they, yes. they, they, other than that, the fact that the panel layout looked like an absolute nightmare, it was a fascinating demo. Yeah, and there is that. It was because so, I was watching this guy sort of playing with it, and I wasn't sure who he was. And then because I was looking, and he seemed to be reaching for things, and I was thinking, oh, he must know. He must know it then, because 
because I mean it's not that intuitive to me. <laughs> so, so yeah, I managed to get get and have a quick chat with him. But yeah, incredible. But I I, I take your point about that. It, what it is this blissful ignorance that in which it seems to have been created, which which is beautiful. And but yes. so, but it did sound really good. I mean, it really did actually sound good. Um, None of those sounds that you had in that demo sounded very good to me. <laughs> well, to be I fair, I swear I can't tell you if the sawtooth waves on that thing sound any good at all. Well, no, that's I true. Not. That's true. I mean, I will say one thing: because it was not finished, I couldn't get an audio feed. So all you were hearing were him pounding the speakers coming down the radio mic, which had a high cut, a high pass filter on it. So, yeah. Perhaps not the best uh, um, audio example, but I'm sure there will be some around, some demos around. But yeah, you could be right. I mean, it could be just everybody was just going, wow, look at that. It's amazing. Is it any good, though? <laughs> we don't know. Can you get one? I don't know. How much does it cost? I don't know. Do you ever intend to sell one? Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was the moment. Yeah, there are so many headlines you can have with Schmidt, can't you? Ah, the mess. Yeah, I know. And uh, there's Schmidt happens. Holy Schmidt was another one I was considering to use. Um, a whole number of different ones, but yeah, yeah, all of those and more. I'm sure as we continue to hear more. Um, it will we'll find out, but yeah, a great. It was great. I know you're absolutely right. It was like a bit of a vacuum. The whole thing was created. It was like, how many can you sell? How many could you sell? How many pre-orders would you need to actually bother then making some more? It's astonishing. Astonishing. Uh, the best. The best description I heard was a couple of guys. Uh, was somebody said to me, "It's so old school analog that there will be loads of single men celebrating." in their bedrooms alone. <laughs> you could be right. You could be right. Right, um, now let me see, where are we going? Uh, oh, yes, uh, I think probably it's time to uh, have a word from our sponsor, um, and I will just bring them on board now. I've got to, I'm have got. i just going to cut the audio feed because um, this little video I'm going to play in the background has got audio, which loops rather poorly, but I just thought I'd use this as a backdrop to the, uh, to the advertising... Uh, that is Yamaha. So I'm just going to put that there. And I want to say thank you very much to Yamaha UK for their continued sponsorship of the show. We've been talking about their mixers in the past, and now we're talking about a particular mixer. These are the N series of mixer. Uh, it's, the, it's the musician's mixing console that combines the power of digital and the feel of analog. That's what they say. Anyway, the, the character, the mic preamps are basically um, specially built purely for this mixer. The N series features tight integration with Cubase AI software. Uh, a Cubase CD that comes with it. It's uh, Firewire connectivity and it's aimed at the serious musician who's who's got a sort of hardware mindset and a home studio where quality is essential or educational recording projects. What makes it great? Well, that's a good question. It's available as an 8-channel or N12. This is N8 and N12. Both models feature the luxurious new mic preamps, uh, Rev X effects processing and a new sweet spot morphing compression technology developed from within Yamaha's own K-Lab physical modelling team and not only that it's got high z input for direct guitar bass recording wide range musical eq high resolution uh, reverb fully integrated pro level monitoring suite aux sends for artist monitoring external processing dry wet monitoring control 24 bit 96k digital quality so uh, there's a whole bunch of features there that are uh, may well appeal to you and the one thing that has to be said usb or connectivity is often a little bit kind of clunky in my opinion you don't get the asynchronous io as quite as well nailed as you do with the firewire so please do check out the yamaha n12 uh, n8 mixer at a dealer near you and we very much appreciate uh their continued sponsorship of the show right there's a whole bunch more besides i mean i, I got a whole list of uh, videos that i was going to sort of throw into the whole mix but i decided that we just kind of kind of just talk about it, really. I think that seems to be the better idea. Any other highlights for you, Rich? Because you you said you caught a bunch of our um, 
I, I, you're going to have to skip me on this one because I'd have to go back and look at the list of videos I watched <laughs> to figure out what was a high. Nothing really stuck with me that much, but when, then you'll get to something and I'll go, oh, yeah, that was cool. There was, it was really good to see the Super Booth, which is no longer called the Super Booth, but it, had a, it was absolutely crammed full. And I did get to go do an interview with Oz from Expert Sleepers and had a look at how all of that stuff set up. And that was brilliant. That, that guy. That was brilliant. Has absolutely nailed it. Basically, the kind of whole Motu Volta thing, which we which was a really big deal when it came out, but somehow yet somehow seems to be difficult to run on a computer in multiple instances. He's created a suite of plugins and uh, anything that will run with any DC coupled audio interface. He's even written thing. He's even got some uh, hardware which will convert uh, a non DC coupled audio interface into a, a DC coupled audio output, so you can run control voltages. The fact that you can control, you can record control voltages for modulars using his plug in say into Ableton Live and then clip it it's just he had a whole bunch of stuff and he was saying that he's just got you know very little CPU load that guy I think is going to be doing really well in the future because he's just written a perfect set of software and he was just a, a charming bloke with a lot of really good stuff and uh, uh, now our, our modular is coming um Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, I spoke to Mr. Dopefer. He's going to send us a few modules, and then we've got the uh, the case coming from Mono Rocket, who very kindly just said that they would send us one for use. So hopefully, we'll get some of that stuff in and start testing out. But that was brilliant. I mean, Dave, do you... I, I don't know how much kind of external control of your CV stuff you, you do, or whether you tend to perform with it or whatever, but do, can you see a use for this? I mean, it looked absolutely brilliant to me. It's like 50 bucks for the suite of plugins. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's completely. Uh, there were there were three or four things that kind of I, I went. Mm, they go to the top of my list, and this was definitely, definitely one of them. I've got this dream of having everything in here all synced up to my host and everything running flawlessly. And we've tried several, you know, several ways of making it work, and nothing's quite got it yet. Uh, I've got a load of you know uh, Kenton interfaces and stuff like that, but nothing has really brought it all together in a way that this seems to be able to do. Well, one thing that he said that was quite interesting is people who are using his stuff are now getting rid of their LFOs. They're just keeping the filters and the oscillators and the things that make sources and just using the computer to control all that. And I thought that's really interesting. That's kind of that that's a kind of pretty ringing endorsement there of that technology. I mean, yeah, yeah hell, hell, yeah. Yeah. What did you no, think of that, Mark? Were you, were you kind of um, were you blown away by that? Did you get a chance to see that first before I drop you in it? <laughs> what are you dropping me in? Now? The expert sleepers guy. The, the, we've talked about the hardware before, but I got a kind of really good demo of how the software and that side of it works, and it was just really brilliant. Did you did you get to see that? Didn't look at that. Okay. I've got a list of things I, I should have sent you. A list of things. Oh, no, that's I cool. Well, um, we'll come to you next. <laughs> I, I know Rich. Rich was nodding profusely during my uh, my mon- monologue there. I'm guessing that you probably were pretty impressed with that, right? Yes, I was very impressed. It might have been the most impressive thing I saw out of all the videos. The $50 price tag was incredible. The notion that all you need analog gear for anymore is signal path and not control path was really interesting to me. And the way he had it integrated into Ableton Live and was able to edit control voltage information in their editor was stunning. I was really impressed. Yeah, no. And I think, as far as I can tell, it's just him. I mean, he does it. And and his demo was really impressive. His ability to convey, yeah, especially when you compare it to our friend Schmidt or even the guy who had that iPad application that I liked that I bought. Um, it's just his presentation was really coherent. Yeah. Well, that that was the other thing that was really cool, that the... the um, it was MIDI to CV, I can't, but it was a Wi-Fi thing. That was really cool. The fact that you could, so you could just throw up an interface on an iPad or an iPhone, and just kind of, was it called Missing Link? I think that, that what, was, the, you mean my tangent about the guy with the iPad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh no, that was uh, that was the synth guy who used who did uh, Time Warp. Ah, oh, uh, the Synthex. Yeah, that was Jim Jim Hines. Jim Hines says hi, I by the bought. way, Dave. Cool. Right away. Immediately I bought it. It's really cool. Yeah, it did. And there are limitations to it and stuff, but I really dug it. But yeah, no, the missing link thing was that it's a Wi-Fi MIDI that enables you to, you, you, you run an app, uh, it's like a touch OSC thing, and it just communicates with this little black box that's a Wi-Fi connection and then comes out as MIDI or, or control voltage. I, I'd have to double check that because I didn't film that particular one. And that literally, so you could just basically build yourself a quick interface for something on the fly 
and run it from your phone or whatever. And that was pretty cool. I thought that was that was a very very nice. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the synth synth X X synth X synth thing. Sorry, I'm my teeth are falling out. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Mark, um, yeah. tell tell us about your uh, your highlights then, because uh, I I I don't want to keep missing by saying what about this. And <laughs> tell me what you th- you uh, saw that you really thought was cool. I quite like. Well, we were talking about lexicon reverbs last week, and suddenly, bang! There's a lexicon two two four for UAD two, which I thought looked really cool. But I want somebody to make a native one that will just run on anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was quite taken by that, and sort of thinking that if that actually does that uh, reverb accurately at that price tag, I don't know how much the card. How much is the UAD card? Um, I think they're about four or five hundred quid for the sort of base level one. So even then, that's kind of amazing that that if that actually does that sound accurately. And what they need to do, accurately. somebody needs to make a MIDI controller that takes like the old Lark, <laughs> so you can put that in the middle of your console because that's why everybody used to get them because it had that beautiful sort of um, retro red yeah. LED kind of display. Well, maybe they need to. Um, I don't know. They could put that on iPad on Touch Arts. Well, or that's true. Yeah, could do that too. Just build an iPad app to control it. What the hell? That was one thing that was clear. I mean, even though Nam was very iPad centric, even seeing it on, there were several applications of it on the uh, Superbooth, which is showing that it's really starting to filter down to to the nuts and bolts guys. The guys are using it for some interesting things. Yeah, that well, was. That was another thing. The Alesis IO dock for iPad interested me. I thought that was quite. quite yeah, I'd love, to, I I'd love to. I'd love to have that a, 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 a delivery date for that. Gaz, do you see that red walks in the chat room? If you don't touch Gaz, he's going to go to sleep after five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing because of the way the, the way that the Skype compression works. If you don't move. It just freezes your frame, and so you don't look like you're moving at all, or even blinking. It just kind uh, of yeah. I think you have to move a little bit more than you know, not much, right. and then then you then you kind of it kind of like <laughs> yeah, brilliant though. Um, anything else, then, Mark? There was a, uh, yeah, uh, lots of little stuff that interested me. I mean, things like the Bob Mood tribute library. Um, the then uh, Waves have some in-ear monitors, which I'd like to try out. They look quite. Uh, good, which basically uses a Waves DSP. Oh, that's the SM Pro Audio yeah. thing, right? Yeah, that looked really cool. I mean, I need some in-ear monitors for mm. something that I want to try. So, and I want some really good ones. So that, so I'm interested in those. Um, what else was? I'm just looking. And then I was interested in the Line Six M5 Stomp Box Modeler because that sounds like it could be an interesting kind of thing. But um, en route, we'll have it for review very soon, I believe. What I what I want to know is if it's going to filter into any of their other other products because it's at quite a low price point, isn't it? So well, there's a, the M9. They've already they've it's, uh, yeah. it's the other way around, yeah. But they started with the M13 and then made an M9 and now they made the M5. Yeah. So it's sort of yeah. it's the other way around, really. It's already filtering. Yeah, it's filtering down to the lower cost stuff. So it's, and you can. Oh no, but I mean, what I mean is okay. So I've got something else from Line Six which costs. You know, it's right at the top end. What I want to know is if if any of this stuff is compatible with the other stuff that I've already got, or if I need to now go and throw that away and buy a whole load of new. Well, that's the way the industry works, Mark. (laughs) Surely you should know this by now. I don't know. I'll tell you one thing that I saw that was really cool, and that's the TC Helicon voice pedals and they've got uh, and they've got a mic which has got a switch. So you plug your mic into the pedals. And then you've got a switch on the mic that can be used to bypass or switch in the effects. So you can be singing away in your little gig. Oh, really? And you press the button and the delay comes in or whatever, uh, whatever of those effects. So it's actually effectively got a bypass control. I thought that was a really cool little bit of uh, um, design. See, now. that was next on my list, actually, those those <laughs> pedals. Because I love anything in pedal form that you can just kind of lug around with you pretty much in your pocket. And then... Uh, you know, bang into anyone else's signal path and go have a bit of this on your sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, How did you do that? Ah, well, I'm then taking it away with me. You're turning knobs while they're playing, and then it all gets all w- a bit weird. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, I mean, there were a number of other um, uh, items. I'm just going to have a look, see what I've got here on my... Uh, the Korg Monotribe, that was a big story as well. I mean, that's, you know, inevitable. Ooh. That's kind of funny little thing. Um Obviously, Did taking they... the monotron and uh, get running with the concept and putting a, a simple eight-beat uh, sequencer in there, that was that 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 was a big story actually for us um, it, as well. I thought it was 
I thought it was a big story until they announced the price. I thought, you know, it was going to be in the sort of, you know, like pocket money sort of thing, like like the Monotron. But then they said it was about 250 euros or something, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, which just suddenly seemed, because it's very, very limited, isn't it? I mean, it's obviously, I'm sure it'll sound good and it'll be fun, but there wasn't a great deal you could do with it. No, that's true. Uh, it was, it, well, you can sync them together. But yes, it seemed a little bit pricey. It's not not quite in the same, you know, dirt cheap. I got a, I, I can't afford not to have one. The Monotron was so cheap. It's like, you know, five times the price of a Monotron, but it hasn't got five times the, the Monotron. Ah, now there's an up, there's an update in the chat room there though. Uh, 159 UK pounds. Oh right, well that's oh, that's, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Much better. That's much better. Yeah, yeah. I think I think to be fair, and, and this was a bit unfortunate. Poor bloke had basically been given that in the morning with no information about it whatsoever, and uh, had been told to. <laughs> to give me a video well he didn't actually i just went and hijacked him because i knew it'd be a big story it was about ten thirty on the first day of the show and I went, great what's this tell me sonic state and it was like uh he there was nobody there to say he couldn't do it and so he just i just made him do it and then ran away with the footage so uh, perhaps perhaps you know given that if, if korg ever go all apple and sort of have to have media train people that won't happen again but i kind of like the fact that it was it was okay, you know, and it, the story got out, so that's kind of sweet. Um, what else? Uh, anything else that you saw, Gaz? That's uh, that's on your list. Ooh, um... <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If I may, just the Stanton SCS4 DJ. I know this is probably a little outside our core mm. uh, interest, but usually Stanton make these kind of controller surfaces, right? With a couple of. Uh, 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 scratch ta- uh, pad, uh, uh, turntables, you know, a bit of faderage and, you know, some knobs. Well, what this has got is actually a, a core, an embedded Linux OS on it. So the whole thing is actually a functioning two-deck with effects and beat-matching DJ system and a mic input. So it's got, essentially, it's got a built-in audio interface and a built-in OS, so you can run it without plugging your computer in. You've got two decks that you can then, you know, and it'll do all the, and it does this quite clever beat matching, which is if they're really far apart, it'll match two and four and half time and two, three quarters time and things. So you can get some interesting stuff there if that's what you want. But that, And you just plug numerous, you've got, it's got loads of USB ports, so you can plug loads of tunage into it. And that's it. Mm-hmm. You take that and you're off. And it's got a really lovely t- colour screen. And they reckon that was going to be about 500 euros, which I thought was a bit of a bargain, considering how much control surfaces can cost. So uh, mm-hmm. it works. Uh, yeah, it wor- that, that looked pretty cool. Uh, yeah, the Novation Twitch, I think, as a DJ tool, looked awesome, I thought. You know, that was... Uh, I think they've got that one right. Um, and especially building in a audio interface into it, making it a one-stop solution uh, for DJs. Well, everybody's um, trying to go for that because everybody's freaking out about the Tractor S4, which has got all of that. So, the, yeah, so mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense that uh, everybody else is doing it. I know this is probably because up to now, the Novation stuff has been um, quite sort of low end, you know, like the the little Dicer thing mm-hmm. and, you know, and this is actually really, they've upped the mm-hmm. manufacturer. I heard somewhere that this was a much higher quality build and there's much less margin on it. So, um, you know, they're really kind of pushing the boat out on that. But mm-hmm. I didn't film that one and I haven't had a chance to see it yet. So I'm afraid um, that's not <laughs> perhaps my core uh, core stuff. What else is there? Um, uh, there uh, sorry, there was one thing I wanted to talk about with the OPC now being... Uh, is that is that available to buy now or imminent? The OP, the, uh, the orange OPC. The, oh, uh, the OPC. Yes, uh, I believe it's coming very soon. Um, I, I, I did again. That wasn't one that I shot. That was Rich who shot that. And did a great job. We got like a fourteen minute day because I know we we laughed and joked about this uh, the PC and the guitar amp combined. But he got a really kind of fulsome description and explanation about the whole thing behind it, and it kind of looked pretty cool. I mean, I think it's probably. I mean, you're talking what. It's a grand, so you're talking i um, iMac kind of price, which might be a bit of a hard sell. Um, mm. You might just get an iMac instead. But oh yes, mm. the dark matter audio thing. Did it? You, I mean, we talked about that uh-huh. a bit last week, and Dave, you know a bit about that. I went to see this. This is the little tiny USB uh, touchscreen um, kind of audio computer, which has a, a Shark DSP in it and its own uh, code. 
I mean, the first thing I went to, they they seemed very full of themselves, and the the CEO guy was incredibly um, energetic and fired up, and <laughs> was telling me stuff like, uh, "Yes, well, we we what we do is we take we say to developers, well, well, how would you feel if you had been one of the first uh, applications on the iPhone?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, but well, in what way is that relevant? Because this is no way, a, you know, I mean, there's no way in the world that." A niche music project is going to be as sell as many as that, but but anyway, he was excited and really, you know, sort of keyed up and wanted it to be successful. And what I saw, it looked kind of interesting. Um, but when pressed about, okay, so who have you got developing for it? How's it going to work? There was less information forthcoming. And Ooh. the one thing that struck me about it was um, the fact that. The screen is quite small, and he started trying to operate with the touchscreen with his finger, and then he ended up plugging a mouse in because it was easier to use. But things like, say, for instance, Dave, you know, if your mm -hmm. Imposca or Imposca 2 was to run on that, there's so much screenage needed for your controls and, you know, many other plugins and instruments that you wouldn't really be able to kind of get to it that easily and, and tweak because you'd have to redesign the GUI, surely, to, to run on something like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we, we, we did speak to them when they were in the kind of early stages of development and I had basically said, come back to me when you've got a prototype and then we'll have a look at it. But we, we looked at the SDK and stuff. I mean, it's interesting. It is interesting. And they're quite local to us, which I kind of quite like. But yeah. um, our problem is time and resources. Well, that's kind of what I said is like, you know, how long is it going to take for somebody who's, you know, they're, they're, most developers aren't sitting around twiddling their thumbs waiting for a project that they can just jump on i mean it's they're, they're usually busy doing stuff and he no, said oh, it'll only was... take a couple of weeks and i was like okay <laughs> redesigning the gui that takes a bit longer than a couple of weeks generally i find you know but yeah but they're yeah. hoping it's going to be about 400 quid or 500 quid yeah i think the vibe with them is that they really kind of want them I don't think they want to make a huge amount on the unit itself, but they want to set themselves up as publishers. I'm not sure how much I can say, really. Cause no, well, that's I fair enough. I mean, that, they, that's maybe why they would, uh, mm. why they weren't being so so clear on certain things because there's obviously NDA stuff. One of the things that one of the marketing guys said to me, which I thought was really interesting, was you know the problem is with you know we were looking, we were opposite uh, some. Uh, Korean guitar manufacturer that was making stuff that looked a bit like Les Pauls, a bit like Strat said, the problem is at the moment there's no innovation. This is what his words. You know, most of it comes down to the power of the brand. You know, you're not getting people kind of making stuff that's new and refreshing and different. There's just copying and, and replication. So that, so the, you know, the fact that we've got something new and different is actually really exciting. And I, and I would sort of concur to a degree. I don't know if anybody agrees with that. I mean, he was, I think he was trying to sort of justify a little bit the enthusiasm that was coming out of his camp. But there were some interesting points made there. Certainly about the power of the brand. I mean, yes. I mean, that's why, for instance, UAD are doing a lexicon and why um, you know so and so is doing a, a doing thing. There are emulations and there are also reiterations and what have you. I don't know. Mm. My, I think my, my feeling when I was looking at both the OPC and the dark matter and like thinking about how those would actually work in uh, a live environment. Um, and I was kind of thinking that's one thing that the OPC has, has got as an advantage over maybe some other devices is, is it does actually look like because it's in the amp shape that's going to be kind of a, a compatible shape to use live. It's going to be able to take a few knocks, I would have thought. Whereas the dark matter is, I mean, it's quite an ungainly shape, isn't it? As a, you know, like a, it's like a, like a really fat iPad, but, um, yeah, I mean, one of the things that they said, yeah, one of the things we've realised is we need to put a little stand on the back, a leg, so that it can stand up, because that's how right. everybody's using it, which which kind of does make you think that might have been something you would have considered right at the outset, because obviously, you know, <laughs> if people are going to be using this thing, it's going to need uh, a certain amount of ergonomic mm. strength to it, but yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure it, 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 with the with that design form factor, uh, whether that's going to work. And also with products like the iPad, it really has got its work cut out. And, you know, uh, I noticed since the leases were then uh, showing their studio dock that is compatible with the iPad 2 now. Uh, and like, you know, well, the cost of, a, of an iPad and a studio dock to me looks a, a much nicer product than maybe the dark matter. Uh, don't know if i'm speaking out of line here but um 
one of the problems is with the whole app situation is the music sort of the the, the revenue bypasses the MI industry. You know, it, do, it, it kind of the profit goes to Apple, or you know, their cut goes to Apple, and there's very little that comes back into the industry because there's not. You know, at least that's that's one argument. I don't know if that's true. So you don't get the same revenue from the iPad kind of situation. I mean, and I think that's kind of something that people are going to have to learn to deal with. I don't it's know. Very, it's very saturated. I mean, it really is, unless you're doing a kind of T-Pain app and going to sell millions and millions. If you're selling an app at a couple of quid a pop, you ain't going to make a fortune out of that. And with the iPad stuff, people still moan if it's like three bucks. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I don't... You know, some I, I must admit, I did a couple of th- bought a couple of things that were like eight or nine quid, and I thought, well, that seems a bit expensive. But then I thought, well, you know, really, <laughs> it's not, is it? It's not very expensive at all. It's just not free. It's it's more expensive than free, but it's less than you know, less than full fully blown software. But that's uh, actually that's there was another software, but Cakewalk I mean, there as well. I forgot it. to mention them. Oh yeah, the Waldorf thing, the the vocoder, Electro. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was quite sweet actually. Um, certainly very smooth sounding. Uh, I'd like to check it out. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I imagine it won't go down well in your household because we know how your uh, your family feel about vocoders. But you, it's so effective, you could almost, you could almost fool, fool the uninitiated, perhaps. And, yeah, you know, no, it's that's... one of my one of my piercing questions was, can it say I am a robot? And <laughs> I think I got the demonstration that it clearly could, with some aplomb. <laughs> So, you know, I, I like to feel that I'm a, I'm a sort of thorough investigative journalist there. <laughs> the right questions asked. <laughs> Dude, you asked good questions. Regarding the price of iPad apps, yeah, I think they'll be a, mo- a lot more freely accepted when these things don't seem so much like toys to people. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the Monotribe. If it didn't seem like a toy, you wouldn't care that it was 250 or 150 bucks. It's oh. It's just that... This iPad thing is right in the middle ground between professional stuff and sort of advanced toys. And there becomes a question how much you're willing to pay for a toy as apart from a professional piece of gear. Hmm. And I don't see too many people using iPads as professional pieces of gear in that way. And I think that plays into people's difficulty with pricing. Myself, I don't have any problem with it, but... I think that kind of figures into it somehow. Yeah, I mean, I think perhaps things like the Studio Dock and, you know, the, the, the things that can... Uh, the, the Akai uh, keyboard where you can put the keyboard, the Synth Station 49, I think you can put the... I mean, those things are all going to start to bring it out into... Uh, wrap it in a kind of a, a much more professional package, although those things are still some way off being actually finally released. But, yeah, that's very true. Well- well, it's also fundamental on some level to the iPad's design because the biggest problem is and has always been what we lovingly refer to as the gazintas and the gazautas. There's not a lot of good ways in and out of the thing, and it's always some kind of wacky kludge with an extra connector and some other deal. You know, like it's it's not really well suited to getting things in and out of it easily. It's fun in its own little sandbox. But try to interface it with the rest of the world. As you point out, the Alessis thing might make some inroads there, although I have a hard time believing Alessis is going to market anything uh, terribly successfully right now. But I'd like to be wrong about that. But I think that this sort of middle ground between toys and professionalism is part of the reason why people go, what, three bucks? Yeah. Well, that's true. Uh, uh, Audio Nerd asks the question, what's the typical MIDI to audio latency on an iPad? Does anyone know? Um, certainly on the iPad 1, it's pretty you know, instantaneous kind of MIDI-wise. It seems pretty good to me. I'm Rich, you've been playing with the uh, GarageBand and the Akai keyboard. I mean, it seems pretty good. Would you agree? Yeah, it's not, it's not bothering me. I couldn't like, list it in samples, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like 256. No, it seems pretty good to me. It, probably 128 or better just based on a per you know just a guess yeah it doesn't feel like there's a lot of time between the key press and the music no i would agree there it feels pretty good to me um 
Right, any other highlights? I'm sure because time, as ever with these things, um, there's so much to talk about generally at these shows. I mean, people are asking, you know, was it busier? Was it this, that, and the other? Uh, one thing, the one impression I would get, uh, first day seemed very quiet at Music Messer, and also the aisles are definitely at optimum width now <laughs> because there's no blank space. So what they did is they just created wider aisles so that there's no dead space in the hall. So all the halls were full, and there was no um, kind of, you know... Uh, screened off areas and that was good. Oh, uh, uh, there was uh, and there was one other question. Um, I wanted well, the only thing I wanted to mention, which was the Behringer iNuke amps. These are the Class D amps, six kilowatts with DSP on board, and they've got built-in. Uh, there's an now a uh, software audio uh, software interface that allows you to set the crossover points, the, the crossover types, parametric EQ, dynamic EQ for when you're turning it right down. You can boot, you know, give it like a loudness button. I thought that was pretty cool, and they're they're really. I'd like to hear those because uh, they are cheap, and they weigh twelve. There's twelve pounds that thing weighs, but that was kind of cool. But and, but bizarrely enough, that was the only new product that they showed us on the Behringer stand. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Usually there's like 100. It was, and it was a software update. It wasn't even a new product. What's going on? Shocking. What about, what about that little uh, wave drum? That looked quite cool. Yeah, that oh. was sweet. Yeah, that was sweet, actually. Yeah. That was, uh, again, I think it's a little bit on the pricey side. I think it was going to be about mm. 249 quid. Um, which may be, you know, I mean, but the wave drum's expensive. But yeah, wave drum technology had a little piezoelectric... Um, pickup thing that you you could put on a bottle or a surface and sort of tap so you had two levels of inputs it, what they they trigger the same sounds it wasn't triggering multiple sounds and it was a, th- a two or a three zone pad and a little speak that looked really sweet actually uh, i i would definitely like to try one of those out um uh, and we got a demo from uh, i forget the name the name of the guy but again that was another that was a pretty cool product it looked very playable and that's the thing that Korg are doing at the moment all the stuff they do is very about playable. It's about now and, you know, the immediacy of it all. Uh, Arturia Spark was pretty good. Um, that's going to be interesting. And obviously, there, there, no native instruments were there, but a lot of talk about the Machine uh, 1.6 upgrade. Um, and I was also told that there's going to be a version 2, perhaps before the end of the year. That's interesting. I don't know what's going to be in that. Uh-huh. Um, oh yes, uh, Audio Nerd has asked, can we talk about what we'd like to see next year as yeah, a sort of wish I'll... list? Go, Mark. I want to see. I want to see holographic musicians. I'm still waiting for that. That's I happened. That's already a... there. You could already. Ha- yeah, you could no, already I mean, do holographic um, pr- projection. In my house. Oh yes, of course. In your house, I'm not so sure about house. that. <laughs> I want to buy a synthesizer which I can play, and when I play the violin, I want the violinist to like grow out of the top of the synth, a little 3D platform, and to, to, to play in front of me. When I'm being really expressive, they can make really expressive facial expressions and, and do really, like, a gesture control on, on a special switch. I really, I would really love that. I tell you what, though, that is a good idea. Some sort of webcam that is following your eyebrows, so as you're playing, you can... <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't work with me, though, would it? Right, hold on. I've got to get Rich. He dropped off. I need to call him back. Let's see if we can get him. I have to move myself here. That was a a Frank Ferry. I was going to talk about something completely unrelated, actually. Hey, Rich, did you did you cross the magic twelve o'clock divide and your your Wi-Fi ran out? Oh yeah, it was the tw- it's the twenty four hour re up moment. Yes, uh, it wasn't the twelve o'clock uh, thing. It's twenty four hours. The twenty four hours since you last. <laughs> They probably yeah, think you're streaming sorry. video of a different kind, I imagine. <laughs> ah. <laughs> not that you would. No, 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 not likely. So um, th- there was a question from uh, the-, the chat room. Um, it's gone past. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Ner- Audio Nerd who said, uh, what would we like to see for uh, next year's show? That's a sort of futuristic <laughs> question there. And uh, Business. Business, yeah. But um, what, was, uh, what would I like to see next year? Maybe more software. It did seem a little bit kind of incongruous that there was no software there. I mean, the thing about Music Master, it's becoming marginalised. There were lots and lots of German media teams, lots of German video stuff. I mean, Hans was there doing a great job of Muso Talk. They got some great stuff there. 
but it fe- <clears throat> and people have so- t- told us now that it feels very much like a, a regional show. It's too close to Nam, so you know you, it, there were lots of people there who were releasing things that were like, well, now you can get it in red, you know, or it has X or Y uh, sort of appended to it. It's n- rather than major new releases, even though there were a few this year, perhaps more than previous years. Um, so maybe what I'd like to see next year is it happening later in the year. <laughs> That would be yeah. that would be kind of good because then it, there might be a point to it would be a big enough show to kind of attract people back to to do it. Perhaps if it was in the summer because you'd have it you know equidistance from uh, from Nam and that would kind of make it make it um, make it work nice. Dave, what I'd like to see next year? Yeah, uh, cheaper hotels so I can go and hang out with people like Decky again. Yeah, I got you there. I hear you there. I'll tell you what our hotel was. It was two single beds and a bunk bed. And we were all living in that. It was kind of fairly <laughs> fairly dorm-like, but it was so expensive, we couldn't actually justify two rooms. I think for the first 10 years I went, I stayed at the Novotel, just across, you know, yeah. across the main That's road. That's now 300 quid a, r- a night. I know, and gradually, you know, over the kind of period, it was like, oh, can't quite afford. And then, it, and then when the bar prices just went through the roof, it was like, yeah, we have to kind of change hotels. And now it's like, I like you say, it's so close to Nam. It's like, no, actually, Nam will be the one, and uh, Messer's going to have to take a back seat. I think I'm afraid. So, Mark, as much as I'd like to hang out with Decky in that again, yeah. Well, I, was, I did did get. I just want to say a shout out to Decker's in the chat room. He did uh, sort us out with a uh, German USB data stick, and we got to. I got to meet him and hand over the cash for it. Fortunately, we didn't need it because the network was actually pretty good in the hotel for a change, and also we had access to uh, Muso Talks uh, network connection, so we were getting 200k up, which is the sort of speed we like because that means yeah. we just kind of render and upload and it's like the whole thing is nice and fast and you know we don't have to hang around for for cycles mark what would you like to see next year oh you've already done that the holographic oh, musicians I've, I've got another one now oh, all right, I, they want come on. see, I want to see um something in the apple ios that means that i can jam with anybody in my immediate vicinity so some kind of midi jam kind of application so if I meet anyone with an iPhone and I can go, oh, you've got any music apps? And they can say, oh, yeah. And then we can set up a, 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 a MIDI clock between us and jam and drop loops into a kind of a virtual space that exists in the, uh, the kind of Bluetooth space around us. How about well, that, that? That's interesting. Rich, yeah. sky's the limit. Blue sky thinking. World peace. World peace. I'm not sure Music Messer is able to deliver that. It can, in a very small way, it sort of does. It brings people internationally together, but uh, perhaps not, um, not immediately something it can, it can deal with. I think the tools have already surpassed people's ability to use them effectively. I, I think I hear you there. There was a lot of shredding going on in the guitar. Actually, one thing I should mention, Rich covered some really good guitar things. We have some view of Eggnator. Never heard of them. Sound amazing, their amps. Cheap. But really good quality sound. Uh, what else? Diesel, another great amp sounding amp company. Some really nice sounding amplifiers coming out. Really, really sweet. Uh, so that was good. Well, anyway, um, I think we're probably getting towards the end of, of, of the show. And I want to say thank you very much, Rich. Especially, what a trooper. Being in Japan, out for the evening, hanging out with us. Well, I hope we've, I hope we've topped off a great day for you. And uh, what you're you playing? You're playing some shows tomorrow. Yep. Wow. Two Next, shows starting tomorrow. Starting tomorrow, it's ten shows in five days. Woo! Wow. Get those fingers in. Ten uh, hour, ten ninety minute sets. Wow, that's going to keep you. So by the time you get back, you'll have the kind of the strongest fingers in history. By the time I get back, I'll be sixty years old. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, and also, well, anyway, um, Hiltonius, uh, you can find him on MySpace and uh, Facebook and all of those places. Uh, and if you're in Japan, go check him out. How, how, well, I suppose I should ask, how is Japan? Are there, is it all kind of cool? Is everything kind of on the mend? Or I mean, obviously, it's going to be Tokyo a slow... Is very, Tokyo is very cool. Um, the spirit here is incredible. The, uh, the unity of the culture and the gathering behind the people who are most deeply affected is really profound. If there's any significant change in the life that I see in Tokyo, it relates to energy rationing and a bit less traffic out in the streets because people 
who are either depressed or sad over family members they've lost or whatever are not quite as likely to be out and about. But uh, certainly in the club, the spirit was incredible, and I feel a, a tremendous sense of privilege to get to try to help bring some smiles to these people who so desperately need it. It kind of takes our sort of normally frivolous pursuit and puts a pretty nice kind of like tag on it and gives us something to uh, to live up to. Here, here. Well said. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. I, I wish you uh, all the best, you. and our and our um, and our good thoughts go out to all of your audiences and surrounding folks. So, thank you very much for joining us, Rich. That was great. Thanks for having me. And yeah. we'll say goodbye. Here we go, Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk. Gaz over yeah, there in the top you. corner. Thank you I very much for joining. That, yep. Thank you. Uh, um, like Ray and Giorgio, just. Uh, mentioned the brass band uh, i can't remember which one it was uh yamaha the yamaha <laughs> MOX. Yeah, that was classic that little demonstration a massive really loud brass band playing behind uh, yeah that was awesome actually we went to yamaha the first thing that happened was they had these all these pot plants that were in very tall sort of tubs so andy wheeled around to go into one and one straight over and there was just dirt all over the floor then i went to set up on the mox uh, the mox which looks good we're hopefully going to get one down here and have a have a preview of that and uh, honestly this this just large troop of children just sort of <laughs> trooped in started setting up and i just thought this isn't going to be over in a couple of minutes so we can't wait for them to finish <laughs> and they played for oh, quite a long time yeah. and it was nice yeah we missed some of the some of the bert was playing along with them actually but so uh, we didn't get a chance to hear much of the mox because it was he couldn't really hear what was going on but yes yeah, so that yeah. was that was very good fun anyway thanks thanks for rem- reminding me of that it's gaz uh songsurgeon.co.uk and down yeah, here uh, who's, uh, who's frozen i think he might be working on freezing his videos mark tinley likebeing.com are you still there mark uh, i am still yeah oh fabulous okay because my screen's jammed up completely and i'm trying to unmute myself and no you're mute you're unmuted so thank you very much for joining us uh, likebeing.com you're very welcome and uh yes, likebeing.com, likebeing.com is where much. you can find everybody and uh, then over to uh up here mr spears uh, g4software.com thank you very much for joining us too thank you nick uh yes yeah no good fun as normal and i think uh big congratulations to john byrne for uh finally get realizing his labor of labor of love absolutely one absolutely yes well uh like i said there were three there unfortunately i wasn't able to take one away with me but you should be able to get hold of one soon and uh, of course uh, all our massive coverage is available at the usual channels uh sonicstate.com forward slash news just do a search there's buttons all over the place i think we got about 64 65 videos up probably going to be around the 70 mark which is kind of pretty much what i'd anticipated uh there were a couple that i couldn't do unfortunately i couldn't get the uh it was the uh mfb which i really wanted but the the audio was so distorted because he was driving it so hard that it kind of just didn't quite work so apologies there and i think there was one other video that just didn't work out um but most of it all went according to plan so thanks to the team that's trevor and rich and andy who's still doing some rendering so that was sonic talk number 214 available um and all good mp3 storage buckets near you thanks to everybody also in the chat room uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live 4 p.m uk time uh, i've got to sort out all the clocks because we've gone moved across a couple of time zones so they're probably all wrong so that was it thank you very much everybody it's an eight voice analog synthesizer completely analog and uh, with new innovative components functions uh, Four oscillators, seven filters, and many, many modulations. Without effects, he doesn't have any effects. Yeah. The stereo is made by panning.